Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. An action packed show today. At least as action packed as radio can get. <laughs> We have guests every half hour today. Every half hour we have a guest today. Uh, so it's like clockwork. Neil Kulong, fresh from his trip to Barbados, is back with us today. And then tomorrow, we have our high school football roundtable tomorrow. As we head into another week of high school football, Shimokin and Seals Grove get to play again. And now that it's been proven that Chickalemi can beat Milton, all right, go from there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Kirchin uh, will be on today at 3.35. Aaron uh, Kucinitz, uh from uh, Penn Live, Ravens reporter. Paul Keels today. We'll put Neil Kulong on tomorrow. Um And uh, Rob Motti's on tomorrow. Covers the for the Eagles-Cowboys in what has essentially become a thoroughly, completely meaningless game in the NFL. Um, yeah, the terms of division champion, but the terms of the right to be eliminated in round one of the playoffs because, like, your division's bad. Oof, brutal. And now a fire sale in Dallas, too, so... Lots to talk about. Fire sale. Yeah, Everson Griffin's gone, and they're going to be cutting two more vets today, probably, if they can't trade him. Yeah, it's like, I think you mentioned Everson Griffin yesterday. I said, yeah, balance of power just changed. (laughs) Really good, not great. But, all right, uh, before we get to... The various guests today. Well, I actually, I'll talk to this about Tim as well. Um, last night, to me, analytics are really an important tool. I don't think you can have enough information. And these people that put together analytics for fans, teams, they're brilliant. They look at different elements and they come up with stuff as the reasons why, why not, and so forth. I think that's, you know, that's, that's great. But it is a tool. It is not the be-all, end-all. Just like Metallica feels it needs a little extra bump on this show. I got it. But when you sit there and and then decide that you're going to manage by it, and not allow your eyes to see something that 
numbers can't see, you run into a big problem. Kevin Cash did that last night. It is obvious to anybody watching the game last night, and I'm not saying he's going to throw a complete game, but a guy that's at, what, 72, 73 pitches, has given up two hits, he has struck out nine, he has not walked a batter. You have to be standing in that dugout and say, analytics be darned. That guy right now is my best chance to win the game. Now, you may get to 100 pitches, maybe it's in the seventh inning, whatever it may be. And then you have to make a move. But he gives up a one-out hit, a single to left of the number nine hitter. Now, this is what he has coming up. And, you know, you'll get the and analytics will tell you, oh, third time through the order, third time through the order. Hey, look, I looked, I lo- there are no national championship banners at MIT. I've seen it. Okay? The top four hitters in the lineup each had had two at bats against Snell, which is eight at bats. You know what they combined for? Seven strikeouts. Part of the emotion of the game is when you're struggling against somebody and suddenly they do you a favor and take him out. Suddenly you feel like you have new life, a fresh opportunity. And that's exactly what he did last night. He managed by his analytics book and got burned by it. Now, there will be those who will say, well, how did they get to the World Series? Because he made moves like that all season long. This is, this is the World Series. It's a different deal in the World Series. I've got a guy out there right now dealing. And not only that, he managed, not only did he manage against common sense, but he managed against the book. Mookie Betts has been struggling with left-handers. He brought in a right-hander. Mookie Betts, I think, is what hitting, what, 218 against left-handers this year? He brought in a right-hander. Like, what are you doing? And he also brought in a guy. So he takes out a guy that the Dodgers are really struggling with, and he brings in a guy that has given up a run in each of his last five relief appearances. Now, exactly what did you think was going to happen here? Amazing. It was amazing. I think it was a combination of the books, once again ruling the rule, the world, and panic just a little bit because, oh, man, he's cruising, cruising. All of a sudden, I still only have a 1-1 one, one, one lead, and somebody got on right it, off the bat. It was the ninth hitter. He's like, oh, man, I got I to gotta make a move. If it were the eighth inning and he's thrown 104 pitches, 
let's just pick random stuff. Then yeah. And that that happens. Take him out. You know, he's giving you everything he can give you. He hasn't he hasn't gone to 110 pitches in a while. Makes total sense. But not at what 72, 73 pitches cruising along, blowing them away. You know what? He's supposed to throw a no hitter. I was I... listening to Rick Rick Neuheisel today. Now Rick Neuheisel, former head football coach, Colorado, Washington, UCLA, and. He talked about how he grew up loving baseball, but he doesn't have a team because he grew up in Arizona. You know, the Diamondbacks weren't in existence when he was growing up. He said he's watching the game last night. He said the game's unrecognizable to him. That's a problem moving forward. If you have people that they think the game they're watching is unrecognizable, and he loves sports and he loves baseball. All right, and I, the, I'll tell you the the biggest. If I had to pick one area where where analytics does make no sense to me, and I, how often I have I praised the numbers? Okay, you have more than I mean, me <laughs> as a as a useful tool. The whole thing. Oh yeah, that's fine, but you have to use it. It's the part where a strikeout is like any other out. What in the heck are you talking about? The guys who strike out, they walk back going, oh, well. It's not like any other out. When you put the ball in play, you are putting the defense in peril. I mean, did you see the end of the Rays-Dodgers game the other night? The ball was put in play, and all of a sudden, all heck broke loose. Uh, that that one makes no sense to me. Runner on second, nobody out. Ground ball to second base, runner goes to third. Okay, so what was better, the runner going to third, where he can score a wild pitch, a pass ball, an error, a base hit, a sacrifice fly, you know, whatever it may be. Okay, bad pickoff throw. Okay, or striking out and he's still at second base. Right, what's better in a team game? Yeah, that's that's why that that one. That's where to me. That's where the analytics people lose me. Where I sit there and go, okay, have you watched any games? A strikeout's like any other out. No, it's not. A strikeout has finality to it. A ball put in play brings it with brings with it possibility. That's called sports. It's not called, you know, the Pythagorean theorem. Okay, David writes, Stephen Jack Kim. Steve, I'm a podcast listener, so I'm usually a day or two behind the broadcast. The reason that people know about and are watching the webcam of you and Jack is that we sync our TV to the Internet broadcast on the PSU app. The chatter during the break and the reactions are great, like when Jack flips his hat backwards when he's really getting into the game, which is true. Especially while he's describing replays as to what happened on the field 
and he is one of the few who can actually explain why. We are not distracted. We are still watching the game. P.S. P.S. What were you eating from the Ziploc bag? All right, Dave from Jameson, Pennsylvania. I can tell you exactly what I was eating from the Ziploc bag. It's not something I... First of all, the only thing I had before the game on Saturday is I had a cup of coffee and a bagel before driving from Indy down. We knew there was not going to be any food in the press box, but I didn't have any. Well, Jack always brings from home, always, a bag of organic grapes. And he and I snack on the organic grapes during the course of the game. That's our snack. <laughs> so that's what's in the Ziploc bag. Seriously. That's what's in the Ziploc bag. Interesting in-game snack. I like it. Well, it's healthy. Well, yeah, definitely. And Jack does nothing but eat healthy. Because of him, I've been eating healthier. And that, and then he'll kid me once in a while. I'll go and I'll grab like four grapes or whatever. And he'll look at me and say, Steve, it's not a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> well, take my word on Saturday uh, at Indiana, because, again, all I had was, all I had was a bagel and, and a cup of coffee in the morning. At that point, it was getting, I don't know, 5, you know, 5, 5.30, I'm glad he brought them because to me that was kind of like what kept me going a little bit because did need to get something into me. I couldn't just keep having water. But yeah, Uh, Dave, thanks so much. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the commentary very much. Uh, So I'm glad you're not distracted. Glad you're watching the game. I'm glad that we can bring something to you. And, uh, yes, the Ziploc bag, those were organic grapes for anybody who's watching. All right. <laughs> Take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. All right. Great to have you with us. Tim Kirchin coming up in a few minutes. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Nebraska and Wisconsin will not play. Wisconsin has too many positives, a dozen of them, including head coach Paul Christ, who has tested positive. Uh, Two of their three quarterbacks have tested positive. So that's another issue. But Wisconsin will not be able to play this weekend. You do need a minimum. You can talk about all the uh, scenarios where by winning percentage who gets in. Say, let's just go bad case scenario. Say Wisconsin ends up playing five games, and they're 5-0. and oh. Are they the team that's in the Big Ten championship game? No. You have to have at least played six games in the Big Ten. That's the, that's the threshold. So that is 
This week they're out. I believe there's seven days they have to get through here. Penn State released its numbers today. 1,304 student-athletes tested, or 1,304 tests administered to student-athletes and the athletic department and so forth, 13 positives and I think five pending. So, I mean, at that, at that point, you're talking 1%. And that is not where Wisconsin is right now. So there, you know, and there's no makeup. Everybody knew going in there would be no makeup. There's no room for error. It's not like the SEC and the ACC. They had built in the original, let's see, the conference-only Big Ten schedule. They put out had three bye weeks in it. Well, this has none, so Nebraska and Wisconsin gone. We already had Jack Cohn out because of an ankle because of ankle surgery October sixth. And for Wisconsin, it's six student-athletes and six staff members, including Paul Chris, tested positive. Because of that, that puts them over the threshold. Graham Mertz is out 21 days, and it looks like Chase Wolf is also in the same category. That would have to be out 21 days. Tim Kirchin, next half hour, brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. You knew the Big Ten with the schedule the way it happens to be would not get through this unscathed already. Nebraska and Wisconsin canceled this weekend because there's no way to make it up. There's no bye week. Uh, For Wisconsin, uh, 12 positives, six student-athletes, six members of the staff, including head coach Paul Christ. As we told you earlier, Penn State released its numbers today. 1,300 tests conducted by Penn State in the past week, and there were 13 positives uh, slightly less than 1%. Penn State plays Ohio State. Saturday night, Beaver Stadium, 7.30. Jack Ham and I on beginning at 6 o'clock for Beaver Stadium. All right. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics uh, with one of the best in the business. Baseball, that's Tim Kirchin. Tim, welcome. Great to have you back. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's start with this. Uh, we know what happened with Turner last night, so... <laughs> Would there have been a Game 7 if the Rays had rallied tonight? Well, thank goodness we don't have to deal with that because that now looks like if the Rays had come back and won, uh, I guess potentially they could have 
canceled or postponed, postponed game seven. And with the protocol the way it is, when there's a positive test, there's a, a waiting period. It can be as many as two weeks. So uh, that was a bizarre ending to a bizarre season. And, yes, I think game seven could have been affected uh, if this – if the Rays had won, and again, thank goodness we don't have to deal with that. That's Let's right. just hope everybody stays safe. Exactly right. Uh, what were your thoughts? You know, every manager has to make tough decisions. Grady Little made one with Pedro Martinez. He kept him in. Kevin Cash took out his guy, Blake Snell. What were your thoughts as that played out last night after his nine-strikeout uh, performance? Well, I was uh, I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. Um, he faced 18 batters. He struck out nine of them. He allowed one hard hit ball. He thrown 73 pitches. He's 27 years old. He's 6'4", 225. He was working on full rest. He's a former Cy Young Award winner. And I just can't find a justification for taking him out there. The Rays have been doing this all year. We all understand this is how they have to play if they're going to win with a limited payroll. However, last night was an extraordinary circumstance. They're going toe-to-toe with a team that, frankly, is better than they are, have better players, a deeper roster. And when you're in a spot like that, sometimes you have to take a chance. And in this case, leaving Blake Snell in for another 20 pitches or so, I think was the right thing to do. And it doesn't mean, oh, the Rays lost the World Series because of that, but I sure would like to see what would have happened if he'd stayed in. I mean, let's face it, he was the best player on the field last night, and he got taken out, I thought, too early. Yeah, I thought he gave them at that moment the best chance to win. And and then they and he made the move, but that's his move. Uh, baseball is laying off some people today. Uh, they ended up losing in all of this about three um, uh, three plus. They ended up losing out of all this one three billion dollars. So what is the state of it, and how desperate is baseball to get people back in the stadium, into ballparks again, to get them back on track? Well, there's no doubt baseball is in trouble. They lost, it lost an enormous amount of money this year, and it's going to do everything it can to try to get back to, you know, full functioning teams next year with fans in the stands and everything else. But at this moment, with the way the country is going and the way the virus is moving, uh, I would be, I would be very surprised if we had packed houses in April, I would be very I would be surprised if we had any fans in the stands in April at this moment. So right. baseball is going to do everything it can to keep everybody safe around it, but everyone knows baseball needs fans in the stands, otherwise there's going to be more financial losses. So this is a very, very difficult period for the game right now, and we're just going to have to follow and see where the country is moving forward, and then baseball will follow that lead because I don't think it has any other choice. I know how much the minor leagues mean to you. I was listening to Rob Manfred on a serious Sunday after I got back from Indiana, and 
he said that he was asked about what are your priorities, and he said, well, number one, how do we do the winter meetings? You know, that was one. How do we do it? But then number two, he meant, immediately mentioned the, the minor leagues. How important is it for the future of the game, in your opinion, and the marketing of the game, in your opinion, to get that part straightened out as quickly as possible? Yeah, I think it's critical. I mean, I used to cover minor league baseball. I love minor league baseball, and it is the lifeblood of major league baseball. And I don't think we all appreciate and understand that at this point. As we know, they were baseball was considering cutting 42 minor league teams before the COVID came up. And now I'm concerned that since we played a season without minor league baseball, that MLB is going to say, well, we did okay without M- without the minor leagues, and I think that would be an enormous mistake, never mind how much it means to, um, you know, the development of players, but more important, what it means to towns across America that have minor league teams, that feed major league teams. I'm deeply concerned about where this is all going, and I'm just hoping that minor baseball is revived and thrives next year as it has for years. But like everything else, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about a whole lot of things right now. Right, exactly. Um, That's a good point. Uh, Rules that were put in this year, uh, I want to get your impression of each one and then whether they stick or not. So we'll start with the simple. Uh, The DH was in the National League this year. Did you like it? And do you think it survives? Yeah, I liked it, and I think it's going to survive. Um, I, I don't. I just want the same set of rules in each league. I, I don't. I wouldn't yep. mind the pitchers batting in both leagues, but that's not going to happen. The DH um, can save, you know, can save on injuries. It keeps pitchers off their feet. It keeps them from getting hurt. It allows you to give a star player a day off where he can, um, you know, get his four at bats and not do anything in the field. So I think that's going to stay, and I think it should stay. I'm I'm completely okay with that. Uh, three batter minimum for a reliever coming into the game, unless it's the last out of the inning. Uh, I'm not in favor of that. I hope it goes away. I don't think it's going to, but I hope it does. I think it just puts handcuffs on the manager. I think it's hard enough to manage a game these days. And this only adds to it. Um, time of game went up this year. That that rule was put in to try to save some time, and it didn't. So if I were in charge, I would get rid of that rule. I agree with you on that. I would get rid of that as well. Seven inning regular season double headers. I'm totally against that. We play. Look, I'm I'm for all of these things this year because this yeah, was yeah. an extraordinary season. I'm totally against it next year. We've been playing nine inning games for 150 years. Um, this is not American Legion ball. This is not softball, and this isn't the minor leagues. This is the big leagues. This is the highest level. We should play nine inning games no matter what. Uh, putting, I know what the answer is on this one too. Putting the runner on second base in extra innings during the regular season to cut down on time. Yeah, I'm totally against that. Also, look, Steve, I'm 63 years old, man. I know how is, things used to operate, I, and yep. this is just not the way to run a major league team and a major league game. And I know a lot of people like it. I know it'll save some time. I'm just not sure saving time is what this should be about. I think it's about 
keeping the integrity of the game. And um, I just don't think it's the right idea to play a major league game by putting a guy at second so we don't have to play 13 innings. I understand the health risk and everything else, but with expanded rosters and if we handle our players the, the, the right way, we can maybe keep them healthy. But just getting the game over with with some strange rule just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a couple months away from being 63 myself, so I'm right there in the same plane with you all the way through. The only one of these I'm I'm for is is I've I've felt this for a long time is the DH because I just feel like I don't really want to pay my money to watch Cole Hamels hit. I want to watch him pitch. I mean that's that's just me. But everything else I'm with you. I'm against because I think the game has been great the way it has been, and you just need to build upon those positives. Yeah, well that's the way I look at it, and you know baseball is trying to you know, figure some things out. The game's popularity is down. The ratings are down. Uh, the style of play isn't particularly good. And I just don't think that these changes are the ways that we're going to make the game better and get more people interested. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to do to get the, you know, get rid of the so many strikeouts, so many homers, so many walks that we're into way too deep right now. But I just don't think putting a runner at second is going to change any of that. Right, and I agree with that. And then the other part is, you know, you, that's the analytics part. This is the part I've always disagreed with. I, I think all the information is great. Whatever information you can have, that's great. But I want to get your opinion about the idea that a strikeout is like any other out. I mean, I'm sorry. That's the part where they lose me. Yeah, well, they lose me on that, too. And this started about 30 years ago where we stopped paying attention to the strikeout. But the last five years has been just ridiculous. I mean, we had 25 strikeouts in a nine-inning game last night in the World yeah. Series. That, that's just too many. I mean, the Rays, boy, they're a great team. Don't take any of this the wrong way. But they led the major leagues in strikeouts by hitters. They struck out 16 times last night. They struck out 70 times in the World Series. And it just doesn't make for an entertaining game when you have that many strikeouts. Now, I acknowledge beyond everything that the pitching is so good today, I don't know how anyone gets a hit anymore because the pitching is so overpowering. But because it is, I think we need to make an adjustment from our hitters and try to put the ball in play a little more often. That's not easy to do. I understand it. And with the approach our guys, our hitters have these days, it's virtually impossible. But too many strikeouts, and I'd love to see that uh, that come down a little bit, and too many homers also. This is a question that fairly cannot really be asked until maybe five years from now, but I'll have fun and ask it now. Is Mookie Betts traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers? Could it possibly be the 21st century version of Babe Ruth to the Yankees? Uh, No, that's an overstatement. Babe Ruth's the greatest player of all time. They won multiple, multiple, multiple championships with him there. He was a great pitcher and then became the greatest hitter ever. And after Jackie Robinson, he's the most important player in baseball history, in my mind. Mookie Betts right. is a great player, and he's going to win multiple championships with the Dodgers. And after Mike Trout over the last five years, he's probably the second-best player in the game. But you can't compare anyone to Babe Ruth. That's how dominant he was in his era. Completely agree, but I thought we'd have fun with it. 
All right. Tim, thanks so much. Appreciate you very much. And uh, try and get a little rest out of this. Thank you, Steve. See you. You bet. Tim Kirchin, ESPN. Doesn't get a better guy than that. He's awesome. We're going to talk about the get the Ravens point of view. Because we went through, we found both the Ravens fans in the area, and they wanted to hear from this guy. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Listen to that highlight, and I, I, I feel awful about it. I probably should have said Clifford saw what I saw. I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> awful. Maybe a little bit later on in the holiday season, you can bring that. Oh, believe me, in the holiday season, it will return. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Uh, Penn State has Ohio State uh, Saturday night in Beaver Stadium at 7.30. Um, There's been a lot of talk, obviously, about taking knees and not running the play on the touchdown. All right? And, of course, there's a common sense to it. If you run the play properly and execute it properly and he takes a knee at the three-yard line, the game is over because now the math does run out the clock on knees. Because you know, now you have a fresh set of downs. They would have had to use their timeout and go through the whole thing. It's, it's actually easy to figure out. The person that is taking all the heat for this is the head football coach. Well, the head football coach is taking the heat for all of this because he's doing what a leader should do. You're like, well, what do you mean by that? You ever heard James Franklin throw anybody under the bus? Staff member? Player? He does not want to throw anybody under the bus and all this. So he's just kind of tried to... And, of course, he takes the heat. Well, they didn't know what they were doing, blah, blah. Why'd you run that play? Look, there's... Again, let's look at the common sense of it. All right, if we do what you say, the fan that says they should have been taking knees, okay. Now, if you want to then say, okay, maybe Clifford should have kept it himself as the quarterback and not hand it off, 
Well, I think at this point, uh, that is something that is a very fair argument to make. Very fair. But running the play, running the play, and they're giving you the first down, turned out they gave him a touchdown, but giving you the first down where you can, you can put your knee down at the three-yard line, you absolutely end it at that point because now the math is totally in your, and you're not leaving 22 to 30 seconds on the clock where anything can happen, especially if you decide not to kick a field goal because now three can beat you and the guy's hit a 48-yarder in the game. But just because he decides to handle something with class, a backbone, and being supportive of his team okay, doesn't mean it wasn't talked about. All right? You have to have your players backs. He's done that. And that's the kind of guy I want coaching my team. That's the kind of guy I want coaching my team. So, you know, people talk about clock management and so on and so forth, you know. Because some coaches would have hung some people out to dry, and he he won't do that. He won't. All right. Enough of that. Although it does remind me, I mean, it actually happened to Penn State the other way, you know. Remember the kid for Appalachian State? couple of years ago he scored a touchdown and their coaches were like uh, and he gave Penn State an opportunity because of where the come back and tie the game because they didn't go down at the two yard line Appalachian State did the same thing Penn State won that game in overtime so it's not as if it's a situation they haven't been through before because they created the situation so they could tie a game in the opener a couple of years ago scored a touchdown in overtime I think Miles Sanders I think scored it and then Amani Oyewarie uh, broke up that pass in the end zone to end it so it's not like Penn State hasn't been through that situation on the opposite side before It's interesting on the on the final drive, though, by Indiana in regulation. Uh, Indiana did a great job on that drive. Some tight windows they threw the ball into. But they also never had a third down on that drive. Not one. All right. We're going to talk about the Ravens. Because we've had so many people saying we want more Ravens stuff on here. feel like I'm living in Towson. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com.